Now on the line for us, we have Deputy Commissioner John Miller. This, the uh, overall data by the NYPD was released today. And the good news is, is that it appears crime is trending downward. However, the perception is among New Yorkers that crime is out of control. Deputy Commissioner John Miller, how do you reconcile the two? Well, it's hard because it takes a it takes a long. There's a difference, as you point out, between um, how safe people are and, and how safe they feel they are. And the things that make people feel less safe are not really necessarily violent crime. It's the it's the um, confrontational person you will see on the street or in the subway. It's the signs of disorder. Um, out on the street. And what we're trying to do is attack that on all fronts. So good news is, as we're rounding, um, next week would be the eighth week, but we're rounding seven weeks of steady declines in shootings. Um, that is not an accident. That is the result of, of a strategy. Uh, the Bronx was driving shooting statistics for a while. We flooded the Bronx with cops. We um, doubled the number of SRG, the strategic response team members, our flying squad, uh, and and intensified the patrol up there. Uh, we have a couple of very good crime fighter inspectors. One's got the north and the other's got the south, and, you know, they've divided the borough, um, and they're really focused. So we are seeing results in reducing violent crime, gun crime. What we're also seeing is a 27, 28% increase in regular index crimes. And that's the the larcenies, the car breaks-ins. Um, you know, I talked to John Katsimatidis, who is um, a, a big retail businessman. That's the stuff that people are stealing from stores. Um, those are the store owners who interfere with that person, and that, that larceny becomes a robbery. And you know that's where we're fighting the the numbers, um, but we're we're making really good progress on the gun crime, which is important. Um, and our quality of life arrests are are um, that activity is um, probably somewhere where it hasn't been in 20 years. Our gun arrests are at a 28 year high, so we're firing on all cylinders. But you're right, there's a perception issue as well. Uh, Commissioner, it's uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. I think. Uh the department is to be commended, Mayor Adams to be commended on those numbers. I read, however, and you alluded to it just now, there are increases in robberies, grand larcenies, and burglaries. And how are you addressing that? Well, I mean, one of the problems we're facing there, and I'm going to be extraordinarily candid here because, you know, we always we always talk plain truth on, on, on this show, is these are crimes that are largely not bail eligible now. Um, robbery is an exception there, but... You know, if somebody comes in and steals from the same store every day and walks out and we catch them every day, the judge has no ability to hold them because they know that crime is going to happen again. Same with the car break-ins. These are the laws that were changed in Albany. And you've heard the commissioner speak about it. Um, those need to be adjusted again. You've heard the mayor speak about it. They were adjusted, but not enough. Um, and until... You know, the judges have the power to say this person is a hazard to their fellow citizens. Uh, we're the only state in America where a judge can't um, cite dangerousness as a reason to keep somebody in. Um, we're probably going to see those repeat offenders know that consequences can be very limited. John, this is uh, David Patterson. Don't you think it's interesting that the minute you said you were going to be extraordinarily candid that your phone rang? 
And I did not answer it because no, I was I, in the middle of listen, being candid. I, I've watched you for years. You've always been candid. Well, I I appreciate that, and I um I would be curious because there's no one with more experience at this table uh, than you on what is the answer in Albany. Well, I think one of the answers is that more people are going to have to go up and visit these legislators. Uh, one of the leaders, and I'm not going to say who it was, continues to insist that the judges do have discretion. They do not. New Jersey and uh, uh, California and New York for the last three states, both New Jersey and California changed their laws. We stand alone as the only state that doesn't give judges that prerogative. Believe me, I talk to my former colleagues uh, on the Supreme Court and, and in the criminal court all the time, and their eyes are bleeding and their heads exploding. They do not have the discretion. That legislative leader is dead wrong. That ba- so-called bail reform law has to be changed. In other words, they're saying that they do have, because I've heard many uh, they, uh, assembly people say, oh, yes, they have the okay. discretion. They don't. And, and, and you, have, you, you were a justice of the Supreme Court, and your friends, what are they selling? They're selling. Saying. Saying. They're not selling anything. What they're saying is, look at the law, and Commissioner Miller knows this well. The judge is obligated at the bail hearing to, to use the least restrictive means Available. So, so what, do they, what do they do to the judge if he doesn't? They can go and they can try to uh, appeal that decision and set aside the bail determination. And that's I mean, a, you, that's have, you have had judges on the record say, I am setting this as the conditions for release, uh, but only because I am expressly prohibited by law from doing otherwise. Right. Meaning, this is not what I want to do because I see where this is going to go. And I mean, if you look at our recent cases, you can pick the case. Um, because they tend to follow each other. But, you know, we arrest a person who's out on an open gun charge, on a new gun charge that involves a shooting, uh, where they were arrested in between in a stolen car, and the bail was set at a dollar because they were already out on bail from another case in $30,000 and so on. So, I mean, there's two legitimate considerations here, which are really interesting. One of, the, one of those is, well, if the person's not a flight risk, meaning they get in a lot of trouble, but they always show up to court, they're not allowed to consider the fact that they get in a lot of trouble, meaning they're out there doing dangerous things in dangerous ways that are hurting people. Um, they are expressly prohibited by law from considering that. And we've been to Albany a couple of times uh, with the mayor, with the commissioner, and we've offered different models from, you know, a um, – a blind model where you just look at a skew of, of their activity and say, you know, uh, when you add up all the numbers, are they a risk to the public or not? Or a model where we say, you know what, there's no cash bail. They're either remanded or they're not remanded based on dangerousness. And um, none of these are, are flying because the concern in Albany is that any version of this is just going to be a code word that's going to continue to drive racial disparity. One of the problems with that is, in our victimology, we see uh, the same, if not more, racial disparity. So it's it's a it's a thorny issue, but it needs to be fixed. Well, so the question the legislators have to answer is: Do they care more about the black and brown suspects or the black and brown victims? Because, like you said, Deputy Commissioner, the majority of victims are people of color. 
Well, I also think that we're dealing with a solution in search of a problem, because at the time they passed these reform laws, 85 percent of the people that were brought up on criminal charges were being released from arraignment, either with a, a bail that they could pay um, or on their own recognizance. The people that made up the percentage that were being kept in were the people that the judge and the prosecutor were looking at and saying, this person is dangerous, this person's a flight risk, this person may not come back to court, um, and they were using that. But they were using judgment, they were using discretion, they were using some latitude, um, and you have a judge there who can describe that. But um, the law wrote them out of that discretion. It's funny to have somebody whose job title is judge when, when you're really limiting their, limiting their judgment. Mm. Well... And by the way, there's, every day the legislature comes up with another gambit to make it more difficult to have public safety. So now they have a bill up in Albany where you want to have a mandatory release if you're 55 years of age and you're, you've done 15 years in. Why would you ever do that? And by the way, one of the standards for that is they have to make a determination of dangerousness. So dangerousness is a standard for release on a parole, but not in a, a bail situation. Well, there, there's point. also an active case um, before the state Supreme Court uh, that seeks to bar the police department from uh, being able to access its own records, sealed records um, and arrests. And while the intention of that when they passed that law was, well, they don't want somebody's record following them if you know they weren't convicted of a crime. The simple fact is today, most of the cases that are being sealed in criminal court aren't being sealed because the person is innocent. It's because of an alternative sentence. It's because of a deal. It's because of something else. And, you know, if we can't see those records, when we arrest somebody in one of these cases or even have a suspect and their entire criminal past is something we are blind to, um, we're not going to have those that tipping and cueing and those indicators that, that help us. Another thing that they're looking at in Albany, um, it's passed one house and going to another, is a bill that says it would be illegal to admit um, rap lyrics into evidence in a criminal case if it was believed that the lyrics had something to do with a shooting or something. And, you know, I get the idea of protecting art, but in a city where we have gangs who are using drill rap to call each other out um, and those those things are actually resulting in shootings and murders, kids shooting kids. I'm just not sure that that is the most useful legislative approach to make the to make that problem better. So it's um, it's a challenging time. Our job is, you know, that's the will of the people. Those people are elected. They're passing laws. Um, we can argue about it, but our job is to evolve, uh, to adjust, and to find better and different ways until that changes or is fixed. Um, but, you know, failure is not an option here. Well and that's said. why we put so much effort into that violent crime reduction we're starting to see. Well, thank you so much, Deputy Commissioner John Miller. Thank you so much for your insight. And uh, anything we can do here at WABC Radio to back the police, I can, I can only imagine the frustration. You guys are working really hard, record number of arrests, and and, you know, for them to just kind of be let out. So anything we can do, just let us know. Well, I always appreciate the time to kind of air the ideas. Well, thank, thank you, you sir. so much. So we have to go to break. And coming back, we'll be speaking to Larry Kudlow, the world's leading economist. Keep it right here. Cats at night. 